Welcome to another episode of Behind the Studs, your home improvement and remodeling podcast, where the two most entertaining guys discuss the do's and don'ts in home construction and in the remodeling industry. Remember that you can nail it, paint it, or just tune into the show. How about that? Uh, here are your hosts, Colin Shaw and Jimmy Driscoll. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Behind the Studs. Hello, Jim. Hello, Nicolette. How are you, sir? I am freaking awesome as usual. Good, good. You tired of uh, not seeing the sun like me? Uh... I'm tired of a lot of things. You can add that to the list. <laughs> we'll just add that one to the list. That's okay. right. I got you. I got That's you. Right. Yeah, no, I'm tired. I wanted to, we're in Connecticut, here on the shoreline of Connecticut. We haven't seen the sun in, I don't know, four weeks now? or No. <laughs> it feels like four really been, weeks. No. Well, it's been, been a few days. I've been sweating like a politician. Yeah, it's well, so freaking hot with the humidity. <sighs> but yeah, people in Florida who listen to the show go, shut yeah, right. up. <laughs> like, really? Shut you guys up. got humidity? Please. Really? Yeah. All right, so we have a special guest today. We have guests, two guests. Oh, God, he knows his math. <laughs> we have Andre and Erica Lacroix. That's it, baby. Yes, from Easy Breathe Ventilation System. Hey, guys, how are you? Excellent. How are you? We're doing well. Uh, doing really good. good. Thank you. Doing great. So we did we did promote the fact that you guys were going to be on the show a couple of weeks ago. There were some technical difficulties. So appreciate you guys uh, coming back around and uh, being on the show. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. And we haven't seen the sun either, by the way. We're in Cleveland, Ohio, so we're well, right see, with you. There you go. Yeah. So you're, you're feeling my pain. I, I appreciate that. Cleveland! <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I played at the Agora, you know. I played there a couple of times back in the Really? Nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. Jimmy was a signed artist. Yeah. He, his band was signed, yeah. and they used to tour all over the country. Yeah, and one time we played with Quiet Riot. We backed them up on a show at the, at the Ooh, Agora. Wow. Really? That's yeah. right. Yeah. What was that? Fantastic show it was, I tell you. <laughs> it was great. Hello, Cleveland. Great. It's awesome. Yeah. And here we are. We and got here the we are. Clevelandites right here. <laughs> we have I know, right? full circle. Full circle. Uh-huh. Yes. Cool. <laughs> so guys, tell us a little bit about uh, your system and uh, how long it's been around and any sort of background you want to give us. Sure. Uh, well, we mentioned we're in Cleveland, Ohio. And there's lots of basements here in Cleveland, much like in Connecticut. Um, yep. Homes are built on a basement or a crawl space. And we've been in this industry, oh gosh, over 40 years doing foundation wow. repair. Really? Okay. And yeah, yeah um, my father started a waterproofing company almost, I think it's 43 years ago. Yeah. Wow. And wow. years into that history, he started recognizing that we could get the water away from the foundation. We could pump it away. We can collect it in drains and pump it away from the, the foundation. But that airborne moisture issue that everyone that has a home built on a basement or a crawl space, it's that moisture vapor in the air. Mm-hmm. Dehumidifiers mm-hmm. only did so much. So, right. you know, he said, let's let's find something better. And we started tinkering around with ventilating the foundation in the context of a foundation repair scenario. And we saw immediate results that far um, exceeded our expectations. And then quickly within about two or three years of putting them in with every foundation repair job we did across the country, and we have 15 locations across the country, we started independently marketing this as a solution for people who may not have a foundation issue with regards to bulk water intrusion or needed a you know foundation repair expert to come in and put drains and pumps 
But someone that just wanted to get rid of that musty, sticky, smelly basement air and learned throughout doing this over the last, you know, 15, 20 years that, you know, we're, we really improve the air quality throughout the whole structure, not right. just the basement. Oh, sure. And that's just yeah. sort of, we just sort of fell into that. So now here we are, we've gone to school. Andre has all the credentials you could have in the indoor <laughs> air quality world. And um, now we market this to homeowners, contractors, anyone that's doing work in home as an easy add-on. And obviously it's in you know big demand right now as air quality issues are. Sure. So you guys actually developed the system yourselves. Correct. Wow. Yes. That's great. Now, was your dad like an engineer or was he just was he just all hands on digging it out going, hey, I, I, I got an idea. Is that how it worked? He 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 runs the corporation and he said, let's find something better and tasked our R&D department. So after about two or three years, we came up with um, the model that we use now. And we've gone through probably three or four in, you know, um, improvements since always looking to be better tomorrow than we are today that's one of his mottos so and we kind of fell into for lack of a better term i mean i'd love to say that you know an engineer did all this stuff but as you guys can probably appreciate it was just through everyday working out in the field yeah. that yeah. we started yeah. we started ventilating the basement we started getting feedback about how great the basement was but then at the same time we started getting feedback about the overall house smelling better so then i jumped in with both feet into the indoor air quality world and became an indoor environmentalist and things like that and really started researching building science and airflow and and things like that started realizing wow we're we're, we're on to something here just from trial and error and, and literally being in hundreds and hundreds or thousands and thousands of basements we kind of did it the the bootstrap way you know uh, the best way uh quick question as i'm thinking here do you just work on um like modern homes, will you go into like an antique home, even though it may be a, it has to be a basically a concrete foundation, correct? That you, correct. you have to work in, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, right. we, okay. yeah, we, uh, we don't, if we go, we, we've been tasked with going into some older homes, you know, the Fieldstone homes and things like that, yeah. but, but we yep. really need, we need that envelope, the building envelope in the basement to be sealed up for this to do a good job. Gotcha. Know? I gotcha. Okay. All right. Or otherwise, you'd be pulling the air from the foundation as opposed from the house. Is that correct? Exactly. You got and it. Don't, we do not want that. Absolutely. You guys are spot right. on for sure. Right. Yeah. 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 But we want to seal that foundation as much as possible. So we get calls from folks that, you know, we run across a crawl space that's got a dirt floor. So mm. we have to, you know, them through the process. We need to put a vapor barrier down. We have to encapsulate yep. it as much as possible so that when we start moving the air, Yep. We're bringing air from better source, not from worse. So we're not looking to ventilate this, like the old passive vents where they would put these holes in the foundation. You see right. them all over the south, crawl spaces, where they open and close based on dew point and humidity, and they hope Mother Nature will ventilate that space. Well, mm -hmm. nobody does that anymore because it just doesn't work. You can't mm -hmm. rely on Mother Nature in South Carolina to help, you know, get damp right. air out of a Space. So yeah. mechanical ventilation and sealing up the, the foundation as much as possible and creating that air exchange from top to bottom so that you're, you know, utilizing the air that you've already, you know, conditioned in your home 
and moving that through the foundation, allowing for complete air exchanges for the whole home. And that's what Andre was alluding to. You know, we 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 expected, oh, the basement feels better. We don't have that musty odor from the crawl space. But when people started telling us that their children don't need their inhalers as often, or their, mm. you know, been no longer snores, or my favorite was, you know, Uncle Joe can come over for poker night. He never re be, you know, used to be able to do that because he's deathly allergic. We have five cats and four litter pans, and he used to walk in the house and his eyes would start watering. Now he can stay for three, four, five hours and join us for poker night without any symptoms. And we thought, okay, what is going on? We're just trying to get the musty odor out of the basement. So right. that's started recognizing we were reducing a lot of the pollutants that are trapped in these tight building envelopes yeah. we were affording that uh, a path of escape not just for the basement or the crawl space but the entire structure so we're not dealing with just you know mold mildew and, and you know that sort of stuff you're talking about you know allergens that are in the house are being removed from it through your system as well yeah yeah, yeah. so one of one of the things I'll do is I'll, when I travel around is I'll give um, presentations at various conferences or even to when I go to visit contractors around the country that carry a product and, and I'll, I'll kind of give them that whole education of here's exactly what your house or you as the owners and the inhabitants are contributing to as far as the air quality in your house and here's how we need to lower that and minimize that and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, so it's always yeah. an eye opener for people to hear about what exactly goes on in the home. I, I run that fine line of not wanting to like literally scare people out of their houses, but just, <laughs> you know, right. I get it. Yeah. 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 Don't open the windows. Stay in yeah. your basement. Yes. Exactly. So how does the system actually work? So what is, what is it that somebody is getting, you know, placed in their basement or placed in their crawl space? What is it and how does that work? Sure. So we have a couple different products. One is our basement system and one is a crawl space conditioner. Mm -hmm. And the concept behind it is we, we run at a maximum of 128 cubic feet per minute CFM. And that's yeah. important because we want, we need people to understand that we may, we, we engineered it that way because we're not looking to create massive, like negative air spaces and things like that. We, I understand how that's not good. Right. I understand mm -hmm. that the, the, the that could be, you know, not beneficial at all. So, Correct. so yep. um, we run that system at 128 CFM for a reason. Bigger isn't better when it comes to ventilation is what I tell people. And so by exhaust, what they get is in the basement, we'll, we'll, we'll install our basement system that um, is located, the fan unit is located at the bottom, but then there's a chute that runs up and, and out the basement, you know, out the uh, above grade. And okay. we're exhausting the air out of the basement and then relying on the replacement air to come from and we help facilitate that with vents and things like that and we we utilize the replacement air from the living space above the air that people have mm -hmm. already you you know they've paid to cool now or heat in the in the uh in the in the winter and then our our crawl space conditioner as we call it is runs conceptually the same as far as it's just a physically a smaller unit yeah. that exhausts the crawl space air but then we have a powered intake that actually pushes air at around 100 CFM, pushes that air from the living space down into the crawl space to help facilitate for that whole house air exchange. Because again, we we started by just just exhausting the crawl space. And um, with building science the way it is, we know that crawl space air does, in, in a normal house, a crawl space air does make it into the living environment and creates some bad, bad air. 
So sure. our, our original design was just to exhaust the crawl space. And there we indirectly helped the house just by not allowing that crawl space here to migrate up. And then we learned over time that if we can we can actively push that crawl that that living space there down into the crawl space and achieve the same results we do with the basement unit, we then still have that the benefits of the whole house air exchanges. So when you say air exchange, you're also is it also air circulation that you're doing? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's like fresh by, air. By, yes. Yeah. By sourcing the um, exhaust at the lowest level of the home, whether it be the basement or the crawl space. So the, the, the fan, the intake rests on the basement floor yep. and it draws yeah. the air in. So that's another, you know, talking point because a lot of the ventilation or ERVs or HRVs, these you know, air exchange units, they 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 replace maybe a, a block at the top of the wall. So you're drawing the air towards the ceiling of the basement into your exhaust as opposed to drawing it off the floor. And you can imagine there's, you know, a lot of benefits from drawing the air from the lowest level of the floor. That's oftentimes the dampest, most polluted, you know, yeah. stinky, yeah. gross air. So you're getting the entire volume of air exchange, not just in the basement, in the crawl space, yeah. and then it also, you know, creates a bigger draw for the air coming down from the home. So you now, get the, the you get the fan that rests on the floor, and then it's got a telescoping chute that attaches to it, and there's two controls on the fan itself. There's a fan speed that is set based on the square footage of the home, and we service up to a 7,000 square foot structure. Wow. So that goes from low to high. And then there's a humidistat dial that you can set the unit to turn off once a desired level of humidity is reached. So it monitors the air as it's being passed through. So that air stream is being drawn through the unit and it's being monitored. And once a dry quality of air is sensed, the unit will shut off. The dampers will close to the outside, preventing any backdrafting from you know outside air. Yeah, and then right, it will right. sit at rest until it senses that humidity, which we all know will eventually rise again, yeah. and then it'll cycle on and off as needed. Um, we've learned throughout the years, though, many folks want to run it all the time because they want really? the benefit of ventilation, not just humidity control. Now, are there filters involved with this system that need to be changed, or how does it, how does that work? No, no, because what we're doing is we're capturing the air and then exhausting it directly to the outside. Okay. Um, so we well, we tell people that there's no need to filter the air. There's no need to dehumidify that air because we are literally just exhausting it to the outside. Right. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's no need to spend the money or the energy consumption to do any of that because hmm. we're just exhausting the outside. So no and need. And no maintenance. People love that. Right. No filters. That's great. Change, no they, forget about it. And, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. not modifying the air in any way. We're simply removing it. And that's what's so you know, uh, remarkable about this product that we learned through, you know, like Andre said, putting our boots on and going out into the field is yeah. by simply ventilating that space, it creates this profound improvement in air quality. And it's getting, you know, greater and greater and greater as our homes get tighter and tighter and tighter. In the, sure. you know, 20, 25 years, we've been actively involved in this foundation ventilation business. We've seen, you know, that quest for energy efficiency just exponentially get you know, more and more desirable. People just can't get enough of energy efficient anything, which sure. is great. We're not saying, you know, have old drafty windows, but 
there's a flip side to that. There's a, there's a lot of benefits that come with energy efficiency and tighter structures, but there's also a big detriment to the indoor air quality where we trap all the nastiness that's mm -hmm. involved in building a new home or living in a home. And then we seal it up as tight as we can get it. And then, you, you know, the indoor air quality suffers dramatically. Yeah, that we, yeah. we've talked about that on our show. Yeah, it's, it's something that we don't like. It no. makes me very uneasy about it. It almost feels like you're in a box and it's stale air. Mm -hmm. So the house doesn't breathe anymore. Um, yes. And we, yes. We've talked yes. about products that have changed. What, what is a good thing about your product, which I kept on thinking is that the, the three letters was OSB, like the plywood, yep. which is kind yeah. of toxic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And by circulating the air in and just getting it out. Mm -hmm. um, yep. It's so funny exactly. when we had when we said the we saw the lumber shortage that just happened with right. this with the COVID. Yep. I was seeing commercial buildings and other buildings go in OSB because that's all they had. It right. Was, sure. They were going back to it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cheap stuff yep. to put up. Is the most it is the cheapest stuff. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Right. So and funny. the offcasting of all that stuff, whether it be you know cleaning products. I mean, if you think about paints and varnishes and grout and carpet, all the things that go in, furniture, that go into building a house. It's mm -hmm. all extremely toxic stuff. Well, and, you know, I was called uh, out to some houses to do some air testing a few years ago yep. um, when a, a, a big builder was building some home sites in Southern Ohio, and they were using these, you know, these floor joists that were um, supposedly mold resistant. But the reason they were mold resistant is because they were coated in formaldehyde. Oh, geez. You know, so, <laughs> I thought you were going to say creosote. <laughs> yeah, 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 not much better. But so I'm in these houses and I'm doing these ridiculous measurements of, from, I mean, these people were getting their houses, you know, the, were, these people were getting new houses. These people were getting, the, the houses were being lifted up and, and the floor joists were being completely removed and new ones being put in. So it's pretty interesting, the building practices that are going on, so. Yeah, so so you do something a little bit differently when it's one of those energy type houses. It's uh, called yeah. the balance system, or yeah, yeah, yeah. So so we recognize that, and so what we have what we call a balanced system that will introduce air from the outside, and mm -hmm. so, so that we are creating you know a balanced ventilation system, a balanced building envelope. Yes, we do. Yeah, if we come across a really tight home, you know, some people they build these berm homes like under the ground. Yeah, we have, my parents almost right. bought my parents almost bought one of those way back in the 70s. No kidding. Wow. Yeah, but they were uh -huh. so backed up, we, we decided not to do it. What I, I don't mean to switch tracks, but is that a good thing or a bad thing, the berm homes? Do you know? Well, the, the air quality is awful. It's extremely humid. Um, so the, you know, the whole HVAC ventilation becomes extremely tricky. I mean, Andre probably Yeah, can it's speak you know, you, it's almost like you're 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 exchanging one cost for the other, right? The berm homes that are built, they they have the insulation quality is pretty amazing, right? right. Um, uh, because of the nature of how they're built, but then the technology that has to go into keeping that home healthy and 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 as we talked about the air exchanges, I'm not going to say it's a one dollar for one dollar exchange, but but those houses, you know, as with everything, they're a great idea. They just have to really really be thought through, you know. Right. Um, back in the day, I'd say this is like 10 years ago. I'll never forget. I was at a conference and the EPA was talking about how, you know, they have the Energy Star product line, but then they created the Energy Star for homes. 
And a lot of us in the, indi in the indoor air quality world were going, wait, 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 you're going to start making people sick because you're tightening up the homes without thinking this all the way through, right? Like yep. it's a building envelope. What you do on this side of the house affects this side. And if you think holistically, so the berm homes, the same thing, great concept. It's just, they have to really think the process through. And then you might be putting in, you know, financially a lot more uh, products or appliances that maybe you wouldn't have, but in the long run, it may still be beneficial. I don't know. You have to look mm -hmm. at that. Mm -hmm. hmm. Interesting. The, the best house that was the best, what am I trying to say? The best model of a house that it, that has ever been built as far as air circulation goes and as, and as far as heat exchange naturally is a colonial salt box. And the way they built that, if you look at it, you know, you've got that facade, you got the face, and you've got that long slanted roof in the back. Mm -hmm. And I always wondered as a kid, I was like, hey, that's kind of neat, but why did they do it like that? And then I was reading up on it, how air circulates in the, in the different seasons and how, you know, before there was air conditioning and how there was heating, it's made that way. It was a, a colonial salt box is designed that way to change with the weather. And I was just like, wow, whoever thought of that? Was that Ben Franklin? <laughs> who did that one? Well, who, who just thought way back then, you know? Yeah. yeah really. They weren't spending yeah. all that time on Google. They were actually actually doing something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, what it were the, like, I would have to say, maybe, you know, I'm like, um, houses that have a lot of eaves, a lot of gables, a lot of stuff, is that is that become a challenge on a house when you're using your uh, your air circulating systems? Well, you know, it's not so much for us because if you think about it, again, we with, with us installing the unit in the basement, right? And we I always go back to that 128 CFM, right? We are moving that amount for a reason. We don't we don't have an effect. Now, I shouldn't say don't because there's going to be a 500 square foot house or something like that that we have to look at. But in your normal average home, with us exhausting air in the basement at 128 CFM, we're not negatively affecting attics and eaves and, 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 and venting that's up there and things like that. So typically, no, we don't run into any sort of an issue with that. No. Oh, you know, that okay. effect or, you know, that chimney effect, that rising up of warm air and you know that happens in all structures we we always tell folks it's the reason why hot air balloons fly right we fill them with hot air and they rise up and they fly yep. that yep. happens in our homes every day so right. energy loss that a home has in the winter is something astronomical like 60 yep. percent of the air is exhausted through the roof um, mm -hmm. because exaggerated stack effect um an easy breathe when you place the easy breathe in the basement it provides a little bit of a resistance to that. So not only does it protect your home from the basement air coming up inside, right? Because yep. now you're breathing air that was in the basement, but it also prevents your heat from just unabashedly being exhausted up through the roof. It keeps it in the living environment more. And you know, people think, well, if I'm exhausting the air out of my basement and it's coming from my living environment and I pay all this money to heat my heat my air, aren't I gonna be exhausting all that heat and it's going to increase my heating bills and we too were concerned about that when we first started putting these in and quite the opposite ended up happening and again we didn't even understand why why are people's heat bills going down if we're exhausting the air and again we went to school we started learning we had building performance people come in and did all these testing and the way they explained it was you're actually allowing the heat to stay in the house longer 
than it would because of that little bit of resistance that you're, you're pulling it down. Yeah, pulling it down. Yep. Yep. Wow. Yep. And preventing it from going up really yeah. is what it is. Yeah. There's like a neutral zone, and it actually moves that neutral zone um, lower, so it protects the home. And we've done all sorts of studies to prove all of this with you know people's energy bills one winter to the next, and year after year after year, and study after study, it shows significant savings, which goes against wow. what you would normally think. You know, right. so it's been it's been very interesting. And how do how do you um, explain that to the average homeowner or the contract, you know, contractors kind of understand it, but getting homeowners to wrap their mind around that sometimes can be difficult. Sure. 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 Yeah. Now, what if you have a finished basement? Is there, do you, can you put it like in a utility closet with enough, you know, ventilation at the bottom of the door? Um, Absolutely. The, yeah. Yeah. Most, most, most people prefer to put it in the mechanical room. There yep. tends to be a lot of, you know, there's laundry down there sometimes and, mm -hmm. you know, things that are produced. So it's always good to source it in an area where you already have a little bit of contamination present. Um, we do require it be at least 10 feet away from any, you know, combustible, you know, the, you know, device where we have open pilots, if they still have those. So we yeah. don't want to, you know, create any yeah. situation there. But um, it's not an unpleasant, you know, product to look at. It, it can be recessed behind drywall. Uh, so sometimes people drywall over it. But as long okay. as we have about a three to five foot area that's unimpeded so airflow can get to the unit. Yeah. But we do all sorts of creative venting, you know, within doors and walls to make sure air can communicate to where the easy breathe is sourced. But yes, a mechanical room in a finished environment is a very popular place. Yeah. The only thing we need is an outside wall. Give us an outside wall, we can get above grade and we can exhaust the air out. We can typically, we can usually make it happen with some creative venting. And I'm a big stickler to that 10 feet from any combustible appliance because, yeah. you know, I, I, I like to be able to say that we've never um, backdrafted a combustible appliance. I want to be able to continue to say that. We all <laughs> right. know Good idea. Yeah. yeah. It's a good thing to say. Backdrafting, yeah. you know, things like that. So, right. Yeah. Right. Now, if you have a living space above your garage, what do you do? Can, can the system, you know, in the basement actually help in the garage or would you put something separate in there? So we actually have separate. a separate garage ventilation system that, that okay. runs at between 70 to 100 CFM. Um, that's the recommendation. You know, if you, uh, if you're in, you know, actually the EPA recently came out with a recommendation saying that garage attached garages should have their own mechanical ventilation system rated wow, to run okay. a minimum CFM and 24 seven. So we have huh. exactly that. Um, that that's, you know, we don't have to bore you with the details. I'm sure you guys know about how bad garages are between what we keep sure. in there and the yep. and, and the smells and things like that. I've got but a great story. Absolutely. With, with a living space above the garage, it's a, a whole separate unit yep. that installed. Behind, adjacent to, you know, the garage they're learning is just as big of a contam contaminant source to the living environment as oh, a, sure. an attic or a basement is. And we had a lady call us and she said, um, we live in an apartment that's off the back of my daughter's garage. And every night when my son-in-law backs his truck into the garage, our carbon monoxide detector goes oh, off. Geez. And we're wondering if maybe we should ventilate the garage and if your unit would help. <laughs> and I said, oh, absolutely. She said, well, I think it would help better than their solution. They just moved the carbon monoxide detector to the other side of our face. There you go. That'll do it. Hey, it doesn't go off anymore. Yeah. yeah. We, oh, be a son -in -law. yeah. we can eventually you don't even hear it anymore. 
Yeah, exactly. Oh. But you know that doesn't stay in the garage. Just like what's in the basement or the crawl space doesn't stay in the basement. What that air will migrate. Contaminants in the garage, especially the folks that, you know, they pull in the garage, they start their car in the yeah. cold months. You know, I don't remember. There was like some large percentage, like seventy-five percent of that gets absorbed into the house. Yeah. yeah. So wow. it's it's pretty bad contaminants. Yeah. Source. The uh, I forget who did the study, but there was a study out there that was done. I think out by University of Minnesota, I think, but um, they did a test on carbon monoxide detectors in the homes and 72% of them that went off were directly, they did tracer gas tests and 72% of those carbon monoxide detectors in the home that went on the test were a direct result of the car in the garage. Wow. That's throughout the home, right? Not just the carbon monoxide detector at that door, but upstairs, outside bedroom, things like that. So it was, that's when the EPA started saying, okay, we we need to start recommending garage ventilation. Yeah, well, I guess it's a good thing that I have too much crap in my garage to be able to park my car in there. So it's a win-win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, all right, before I let you guys go, I, I need you to educate me and maybe and maybe uh, Jimmy over here. No, you don't. No, you don't need to be educated? <laughs> okay. Radon. Can't fix stupid, dude. Radon. Okay. Radon. So that's like a hot topic, you know, yes. for a lot of people. Um, I'm one who is skeptical because I don't know enough, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I look at different countries. They have different acceptable levels. I would think it would be, you know, one set level. I know the WHO is somehow involved in that as well as setting these, which now everybody knows is the World Health Organization, thanks to COVID. Yep. Nobody ever heard <laughs> of them before. Right. <laughs> so, so educate me, please, on radon. What's, what is it, and, and how does it harm us, and, you know, yeah. the different ways to get rid of it. So radon is the second leading cause of lung cancer amongst Americans um, behind smoking. It's the first leading lung lung cancer, uh, first leading first cause of lung cancer amongst non-smokers. So it is a deadly gas. It's a soil gas that comes from the earth. Okay. Um, The the problem it's not an issue outside because it it comes up from the earth and then just dissipates. Right. Um, Mm. The problems. We build these boxes and plant them down on the earth and then breathe all that air. So you made a reference. The EPA, our action level is 4.0, okay? Yeah. Um, it's, it's called an action level. I'll get to that in a second. The World Health Organization, as you said, that is at 2.7. So it's interesting that there's different levels, right? But it's an action level, not an acceptable level, right? So the, okay. the, the EPA... It, it was basically a cost-benefit analysis that they did to say, how low can we get the numbers and still have the remediation of this be a doable, you know, Some for lack affordable. of a better term. Right. So that's right. how they came up with the um, There's also, there's no statistic, I, I should hesitate before I say this because I, stu- I can't cite my study that I've read, but there's no, there's, there's no statistical difference between deaths at 3.5 and 5.5. If that makes any okay. sense, so yeah, it does. I, yeah. I'm I'm kind of saying two things. I'm saying it's a leading cause of lung cancer, but at the same time, I'm saying, you know, it doesn't sound like I'm saying it's 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 a problem, but I'm just saying that that number is somewhat. It's not a healthy level, right? Yeah, um, right. It does exist. Uh, it, at the at the same time, it's extremely easy to help to mitigate, right? Um, mm-hmm. A radon mitigation system is nothing more than an exhaust. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be passive. It could be mechanical. There's all different ways. Because I'm a radon guy, so I can bore you to death with all that. There's different. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> there's different guidelines as to how to set up a radon system in new construction versus old construction, all this kind of stuff, and the piping and everything. Yeah. Um, so while it's while it is a significant uh, uh, soil gas, um, I think what's happened is people have gotten that 4.0 number has gotten people. There's there's a scared populace there that thinks, oh my gosh, I'm at 4.5, I need to move out, right? Yeah. Right. Um, I need, whereas if they were at 3.8, that scientifically that's not any healthier, you know, because mm -hmm. it's also there's also a relationship between the level of radon and the and the exposure times, right? Meaning, like, are you living in that house for 40 years or five years, right? right. So there's it's it's a little nuanced. I don't know if I helped at all, but but um, I always tell people, um, they, I get calls from radon all the time. I tell them those radon test kits that you can pick up at your hardware store, yeah. some counties in the country, here in Ohio they do it, some counties will actually give you give homeowners one free every single year. So I tell huh. people to check their, check their building department or their, their county board of health first. Yep. Those are actually really, if you follow the rules as how to use those tests and you mail them out, they're perfectly okay. It's a good okay. way to start. Hire a guy really? like me. Don't hire a guy like me to come in for hundreds and hundreds of dollars with my equipment. Do do that first, get that number, and yeah. then talk to someone like me or a radon guy to say, is this something that I should really consider? Okay. Now, Does that help? Well, yeah, no, absolutely it does. I just have one other question, though. Uh, yeah. Is it true that you could take a radon test one day and then two weeks later take it again and it would be a different number? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's all – so – just to keep in mind, a, a radon test is considered short term if it's anything under 90 days. Okay. Think about that for a second. So thanks to the real estate market, not to blame anybody, but we've there's been this big push into doing three and four day radon tests. Okay. Mm. Because one's going to wait 90 days to sell a house and, and find out the <laughs> radon levels. Right. So I'm, as you can probably tell, I'm not a big fan of the three to four day radon test. But my point being is that it depends on how you live in those. You're supposed to seal up your home for those four days. Like uh -oh. you can't, you can't run your clothes right. You can't run mm. your bathroom fix. You can't run the knees breathe if you own it. You can only come and go as needed in and out of your house. So when you think about it, that, that's why the longer term tests, let mm -hmm. it run for months or more. That gives you an overall number, and you'll get it better. So to answer your question, yeah, it absolutely. Not only can it be different four days later. It can be completely different in your house. You can run two sequential tests in your house and your neighbor's house and come up with two totally different numbers. Wow. Well, isn't that funny because huh. I just had a radon test and I didn't pay any attention to any of that. And I did use my washer and dryer and I had left my doors open and I came back at 8.0. Did you really? Now, how long did you run the test? Short. How long did you run the hours. test? 24 okay. hours. So that, that, that test, I mean... 8.0 is high, right? It's considered it's 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 over the acceptable level, but but that test essentially is 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 negated because it what you didn't follow the quote unquote short term radon yeah. protocol. Test. Nice, right. nice going. Yeah, <laughs> nice going. Yeah, right here. Yeah, well, so I have a new I have a radon I have a mitigation system in the house now, and it's like 1.2 or 1.4. That's good. That's good. Yeah. And so yeah. it's. I, I can probably picture it. I can probably describe it. I won't bore everybody with the details, but I can pretty much probably describe what it looks like when it goes up and out. And you have the, the yeah. fan. Yeah. I got a fan. I got a three-year-old fan. I warranty on a three-year fan on it. Yep. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, put, your 
Yeah. yeah. Between, <laughs> between that and my and my uh, jacuzzi outside, I got <laughs> all got all different noises. Are you happy with that? No, I like am. That. Yes, that was that was the, talent, the, the huh? topper on the whole radon thing. Yeah, I appreciate you all doing right. that. Yes, there thank you. Go. Well, that was good. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, we learned a lot. Thank you very much, Andre and yeah. Erica Lacroix with Easy Breathe yes. Ventilation System. Yeah. How do people find you? I found you very easily just by Googling you. So I'd imagine that's probably the way most people will find you. But you have a website, and uh, you guys are on Instagram, Facebook, all that other stuff. EasyBreathe.com. Yep, EasyBreathe.com. Okay. That's awesome. We're here to help in any way we can. Awesome. And you said you have uh, multiple locations, right? Yes. Oh, yes. We service the entire country. Contractors throughout the whole uh, U.S. that can help you know, boots on the ground, like we said. Uh, oh, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, so anybody who's listening, check them out. Thank you, check Cleveland. We're <laughs> going back to that again. All right, yeah. So really, thank you so much for appearing on the show. Thanks. Glad we were able to get the technical difficulties worked out and then get you guys yeah, out here. So it was great having you Good education show. for everybody, for sure. Yes. Thanks for your time, guys. Yeah, appreciate we appreciate it. it. Thank you. Ab- absolutely. So everybody tune in to us next week. We yeah. are going to uh, start season. This is this was our way of ending season three. Ba-ba-da-ba. And we'll be starting season four next week. So on the 23rd, uh, and we will have uh, the Brownstone Boys, yep. uh, who you've seen on Good Morning America and uh, all over the Internet. So uh, it should be a lot of fun to talk to them, talk about projects that they've been working on. Cool. And, uh, yeah, go from there. Absolutely. And then we'll get season four underway. That's right. Yeah. Cool. Look at us go. There we go. Yep. And they said we would never make it. Who said that? I don't know. Somebody always keeps saying that to me. It's a little voice it's, in your head. It's probably my family. So tell your head to shut up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a great day. Awesome. Thanks for listening. Thanks. We'll see you next week. See Bye. ya.